What up, bro? <laughs> what up, bro? Bro, bro. What was that? I have a lot stored up. We don't. We haven't recorded in a while. You know, you're, you're right. You're right. I have a lot uh, of energy. Hey, welcome to Brown Meets World. Welcome to Brown Meets World. I'm Siege. And I am Tony Coitus. How are you, sir? Hello, you guys. We are doing a little, a little, a little interim, a little midterm ish. Uh, what do we call that? Progress report. Oh, report yeah, card, yeah. Midterms. A progress report. That's that's a good yeah. way to say that. Yeah. yeah. Progress report. That's that's what we'll call this. This is a little progress report episode. And I know you, what you're saying. You're like, you guys haven't recorded anything. What are you even in the progress of? Well, we have been First listening. Of all, mind your damn business. <laughs> you can do a progress report on anything we want. I don't. I don't need that energy in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to do this episode on Pod Meets World. They are officially halfway through season three, and therefore halfway through the series. Ooh. We are just wanted to come in again, as you guys know, we're still on hiatus due to the strike, but we have some good things coming your way. Um, this is just one of the things that we want to check in, kind of like check in with each other, check in with you, the audience, and just talk about where Pod Meets World is. As you know, we went to their live show. We always love hanging out with them, always love seeing them, but hanging also out with them because we hang out with them so fucking <laughs> crazy, bro. I'm never going to not be chill about that shit. As you shouldn't. I mean, no, my goodness. Uh, but we are here to talk about their season so far. Kind of like some of our faves, some of the things that we, some questions we already have coming up. So, yeah. Tony, are you ready for this? Yeah. And, you know, one of the first things I wanted to discuss with you was like in comparison to seasons one and two of Pod Meets World. Correct. Um, you know, obviously this season has been affected in their own way by the strikes that are going on. They're not able yes. to have actors on to really kind of discuss things in the detail that, you know, we would probably get outside of the strike. Um, how do you feel like that's changing the dynamics of the show? You know, we've gotten a lot of behind like production, you know, people yeah. come on and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. just a, a little bit, bit of a different vibe this season. It is a little bit of a different vibe. And I will say that it's um, it's kind of made them have to be closer. You know, oh, sure. like, I yeah. don't know if you've seen that, but like, I'm getting like their bond is getting tighter. They they kind of like get to speak with each other and only each other because there are so many of the interviews that they can't do. And you can tell that they're excited to talk about, but sure, people are respect, respecting the strike. So I don't know. I feel like they are growing closer together. And then also, I know that some people have problems with the um, kind of like behind the scene episodes, the, the staff and crew. But I always find those things very interesting because you do sure. get an opportunity to learn about different career paths that you may not have known about. Uh one who did that for me was Tamara Johnson's episode. Yeah. I was just like, I'm learning so much. Like this just feels like a, a little mini masterclass and I'm I'm fine with that being a thing too. Completely agree. Like I thought that was really like, I, I think her episode specifically where I, they were like, well, how did you get into this? And like, what do you do? And her answer was just kind of like, look, I lucked into it. And yep. the way that I got into it doesn't exist anymore. But sure. nonetheless, it was a very telling to see kind of like the difference of old Hollywood and new Hollywood. Yeah. And of stories of people just being like, I don't know, I went to, 
I went out for coffee one day. Someone was like, hey, I need help holding these grocery bags. Yeah, and people make it seem like in the <laughs> 80s, like people were just like, hey, can you do this thing for me once? And this is your career path. Like, what was going on? This is the same time where like your parents would send you out to look for a job. Like, oh, just go knock at this like person's business window and see if they're hiring. Like it was a different Absolutely. Time. I mean, to be fair, cocaine ruled. So I think too, so many people were a hell of a drug. too busy doing cocaine. <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> Absolutely. They're like, how about... You run the studio, I'll do the cocaine, and then you'll have a career. Two, um, 20 year olds. I I have to agree. I I enjoy the production stuff. I'm one of those kids who used to watch like the special features of the DVDs all the time. So I nerd out and I get really into that stuff. I have been reading some of the message forms though, and I know not everyone I know. really loves those episodes as much. And so I I like, I get it from like a listener standpoint, from a fan of the show. Like you may not want to hear about behind the scenes Hollywood stuff. Um, but I also think we have to give this pod credit for getting creative at a time when they're not able to utilize the guests that they would typically have. And, you know, they've always been really good at shining a spotlight on their production team, on the crew. And this is things we've talked to them about several times. And so I think it's perfectly aligned with what they've been doing. I'm, I actually enjoy it. Um, I think some things translate better than others. Like I think the episode, um, that I, I struggled with the most was probably Sarah's episode because it was all like, she, she was the wardrobe. Oh, okay. And there was just so much discussion of photos that just didn't translate to me as being a podcast listener. So yeah. that's probably the only one where I was like, oh, that was that was kind of hard for me to get as completely into. But for the most part, I'm I'm really interested in that stuff. I would say with like and, and that's you know what? Let's get into it. Cause one of the things I wanted to talk about were like some of our faves, some of the things that we didn't like. So let's go directly into again, us being us, the good. Okay. What what is your favorite one so far? Your favorite extra credit episode, as what we would call it. Yeah, um, I thought Alex was really cool. He just yeah. like he has the hella same cool. swagger. He's just <laughs> yeah, just hella cool. Just like he constant swagger, the same way we thought he had when we did our review of season three. So yeah. it was just it was like interesting to see that his swagger was not confined to the character of Eli. This is just who this dude is, and it just like oozes out in all of his performances as well. Also, I think it was really interesting to see. Like we've had so many other people come on the show who are either like their peers or like someone like Beanie who's like way older or playing the parents to have Eli come in or Alex sorry to yeah. come in and just be like hey I was a young 20 something actor I'm like in the it crowd in movies and all these kids be like he's the coolest and yeah. and Will trying to be like hey can I hang out with you and him just be like no I'll hang out with 18 year olds and just like it's, <laughs> it was fun to kind of like see them not necessarily like put in their place but it was fun to see them just kind of be like, oh, we looked up to this dude in a different way than we did like Russ or uh, Betsy or Bill, you know? It just feels like he is just doing things like he was able to bring out the coolness of everyone around him as well. So I I mean, I again, that was one of my probably one of my favorites uh, for, from the extra credit episodes. Um, I also liked the episode with Daniel's mom. Like yeah. it was kind of interesting to hear like, you know, we we hear about what it's like for the child actors to start, you know, at 10 and 12, but to be like a mom and know nothing about Hollywood and how scary it is. And for all of them to be like, oh, yeah, we we got a book from the library that taught us how to become an actor. I'm just like, this is crazy. It's a this whole other world. It's so different. 
<laughs> I feel like this is why boomers have a hard time relating to us because there's just so much distance between the time that they grew up and the time that we grew up that they can't make the the transition. But um, that's that's a side conversation. I just thought it was really interesting to hear Danielle's mom's perspective and thinking about what I would be like as a parent bringing my little girl into Hollywood and all the fears and anxieties that I would have around that. Absolutely. I also love like this idea of like writer being. Uh, like the an authority figure to Danielle, <laughs> yeah. like how to deal with your parents. <laughs> She's like, I can always tell when you were hanging out with a writer because you would come back talking about your feelings and like how I could do better as a parent. And I was just like, writer is. It's he, so he interesting to see this like side of like writer because again, we we know Sean and we've known adult writer, but to see like this, I mean, for lack of a better word, pretentious. <laughs> young kid who's just like telling other people you don't know how to deal with your parents you know like it's, you know it's what's very interesting i when i heard that i didn't read it as pretentious i read it as like this is a kid who was like treated as an equal like his entire childhood so he has no problem communicating his feelings to parents in ways that other children just don't and so i was just like there's something to this that i think is really interesting see and i saw it as like uh a, well to bring back a phrase white boy logic 101 oh, like this <laughs> idea of just being like hey you don't know how to get your parents under your thumb <laughs> <laughs> you you raising them, they ain't raising you. Like, like I'm not saying that that was his intention. I'm yeah. saying that that's kind of like the energy. And I mean, like, again, it was this whole thing of like Jennifer being like, I thought Ryder hated me. Look at this. <laughs> you know, it was like, and Ryder said it was like me and my friends against the parents. So yeah. I just thought uh, that was very like classic. One other highlight for me from the season that I have to bring up is the Mark Pargosler, James Vanderbeek mix-up, which I just <laughs> honestly was like cringy and hilarious at the same time. It was just like that. Ooh, nope, that's not him. That's not him. See, I didn't find it cringy. I found it purely hilarious, specifically because it was natural. And like to hear, like, oh, to, to that point, the idea that Paul Walker was somehow the prize child of Hollywood over Mark Paul Gosler is so interesting. This idea that they were like, yo, Paul Walker would walk in and Mark Paul Gosler would just be like, it's done, it's over. What, what can I even bring to the table? I just thought that was very interesting because of how big he, like Zach Morris was. And and maybe it was that, you know, I'm sure that going from television to movies is a hill that every actor had to overcome in the 90s. So it was probably easier, but forgive me if I'm wrong, these white boys look very similar to me. So I'm just, I had a hard time they imagining do, why there would be such a huge difference between the two. They do, but like, I, again, it's like one of those things where it's like orange and tangerine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, it's one of those things where it's like, if you, if you in it, if you in, you can tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I see, I see them so differently, but I also feel like, even though they're like good looking white dudes, um, I just, I felt like, Mokbar Gosler, at least for our generation, is just so much more iconic. Oh, Paul absolutely. Walker is it is sensational himself as an actor. Um, rest in peace, all that other stuff. But again, Saved by the Bell, Zach Morris, that it 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 scratches a it. It lives in a space. You oh, know what absolutely. I'm saying? Absolutely. I'm just I'm laughing because in my head, like if I like if someone committed a crime against me and they brought me to like a lineup and I saw Mark Paul Gosler, I saw Sean William Scott, and I saw <laughs> Paul Walker, I would be like, 
I I can't I can't tell you who it was one of them. James Vanderbeek <laughs> and James Vanderbeek, of course. <laughs> well, now these James Vanderbeek looks nothing like Mark Paul Gosser. Now they probably look more so alike, but in the nineties, no way. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, oh, God. Um, I, I I'll say there is a role that <laughs> James Vanderbeek took um that made me fall in love with him because I wasn't necessarily that big of a fan, uh, but. As an adult, he took a role, and I was like, "Oh, you're funny. I like you. I think, I think, I, like, there's chemistry here." Yeah, I've always loved the Beak. I, I will <laughs> always love the Beak, and I hope <laughs> they get the Beak on their podcast for whatever reason. I hope this Mark Paul Gosler thing is enough to get the Beak on there, so they they can just chit chat about the '90s. The Speaking of chit chatting about the '90s, Melissa Joan Hart's episode. Here's something that's really interesting about that one was finding out just like the sheer difference in scope between Sabrina and Boy Meets World and like how they were treated differently. Budgets. The budgets. That yes, was the funny budgets. The budgets. When she was like, you know how you would just go out and they give you like a black card to go get clothes and they're like, what are you talking about? No. <laughs> we had to bang. <laughs> they had us sewing patches on our jeans in the back. <laughs> well, especially because they had just gotten downgraded to a different studio at the beginning of season three that they're talking about now. So it's like, it, you know, every season they thought they were going to get canceled the studio never had faith in them so it's not surprising to hear all of this but when it's like talked about like that i'm just like wow it's interesting that we're still talking about this show though yeah right absolutely. like despite yeah. all the budgets despite all the money you guys had we're talking about this little uh, engine that could so exactly that was one had like not to say that um her other stuff didn't have staying power but this is like like you say the name of this show and everyone's like immediately a memory but like some of melissa's other work not as much you know what i'm saying uh, i i mean uh, honestly even the show that she was talking about i couldn't tell you more than like maybe two or three specific episodes from I, no, and no, i used I'm to not, watch it every friday night i'm gonna say that's not the case for me i know but i'll also say like the cast like not sure. as not as well known like i feel like specifically with casting another thing that they constantly just kind of remind us is like how lightning in a bottle casting seemed to be definitely on this show you know and i feel like with the different guests that come in everyone's saying the same thing like casting nailed it yeah you know every single time um did you have any other standouts for you oh yeah 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 i okay. mean again we didn't even go into mine uh lindsey ridgeway was fun oh yeah me. yeah because i hear the thing I was so upset. I was like, man, they never really let her go. She's naturally funny. Oh, yeah, she is. She was naturally funny. She has she so much personality. She's so like much personality. oozing with charisma. And I was like, ah, oh, it had to be the whole child star thing and the limits of like what they wanted to do because like seeing her sense of humor and how she is and just like how comfortable she is with the cast, I'm like, I want more of that. I want. Like, give me like the what is it called? The precocious kid. Give me yeah. like like you know like some some more of those things. I feel like even like little um little storylines. We got so many dumb storylines. Why can't yeah. we get dumb storylines with Lindsay? I wonder how much of this has to do with the fact that they were really limited in developing Morgan's storyline with Lily, mm. and so when uh, Lindsay, Lindsay took over. They wanted to kind of keep it in line somehow, even though there's very little consistency throughout the show. Um, and I can see like her being 
too young to have a lot of interaction with the older cast but as the show progresses we're like and once you get to season six and seven there's no reason why she can't have the same kind of energy and humor that Corey had in season one and two so exactly like uh, that's what i'm saying like show us like the characters are being like i guess we just raise kids like this you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> uh so i thought um she was naturally hilarious and, and she's very i do want to come back to do a, a recap episode like i think if they find an episode where she's like like the one where she's singing um that would be a great one for her to come back for absolutely and then also i will say um the episode with jeff mccracken made me at least think about and it's one of the questions i want to ask them um if you get this, if you're listening to this and you ask them this question before me, just know I will backhand you. But <laughs> <laughs> just like the idea of mentorship, like yeah. they were so, like, especially Ryder was so adamant of like what that mentorship meant to him. And again, it was just like, oh, I don't feel like the industry allows for that as much anymore you know what i'm saying i don't i don't think it does i feel like that's part of what was going on with the strikes was that they were kind of keeping like writers specifically from being able to climb the, the ranks and gatekeeping that um you know the relationship that's formed between actors and mentors that aren't actors, I think is really interesting. Um, I think it has a lot to do with finding leaders. And like when you're a kid, it's like finding the cool teacher in school. Like it, it just kind of depends on who you vibe with, but really finding someone who's able to give you that perspective um, that allows you to advance in your career and advance as a person. Just mentorship seems to be something that's consistent on and off uh, screen with within the show. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, again, for me, I think that one of the things that I'm learning by listening to this, first of all, I want to say, because uh, I, I don't know if I actually said it earlier. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like these, um, what, we're, what you and I are calling extra credit episodes um, with the staff and the behind the scenes, but not only does it shine light on all everything that goes into making a television show a hit every like yep. you need all of these elements there were lots of stuff as you were saying whether it's wardrobe or whether it's casting or whether it's sound mixing where you're like oh that little bit is actually what helps make it memorable oh, everyone's sure. little touches make a difference so i actually thought that that was you know i i think that's important and cool that they are giving credit where credit's due but additionally to me, as a kid who grew up in Florida, who constantly wanted to work in uh, Hollywood, but just knew that I didn't want to be an actor. You know, it's like, yeah. oh no, I don't want to be an actor. I don't want to be- Sure, yeah. Um, finding all these different avenues, these different ways to be involved in making something that you love great. I think that that's important. There is I, someone out there who's like, oh man, I didn't think about this as a career. And now I do. You know what? I think that's such a great point because I feel like probably actors are probably the most recognizable figures within Hollywood. And in terms of like a gateway or a path to success and fame, you would think that, hey, you have to become an or some kind of on-screen performer in order to reach that. And I don't think there's a lot of information out there for the average television watcher about the jobs that are available within the production system. And I'm sure that uh, there are a lot of people who are very talented and very skilled and could find great success within Hollywood if they were only privy to the jobs and the opportunities that are really available there. Because the more I hang out in LA and the more I talk to people, I'm like, that's a job? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you just like I, I was hanging out with someone the other day and they were talking to me about, oh, like, yeah, we have a music supervisor. And basically they just kind of listen to music all the time and try to find tracks for us to feature in our in our show. And yeah. I was just like, oh, I, I do that for free every day. So like, how was this, you know, and it's just interesting to find out that these little interesting jobs exist. So whatever your talent is, there is a place for you within Hollywood, whether it's financing, whether it's carpentry, whether it's whatever, there's a job out there. So it's all, it's Absolutely. all very interesting. Exactly. And like, yeah, as you said, it's very common in LA that you'll hear someone be like, Oh, what do you do? They're like, Oh, I wipe down the whiteboards. And yeah. <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. My job. What? Yeah. Whiteboard, whiteboard. That's what I do. <laughs> and you pay how much? But anything that you thought didn't work, any episode that you're right. just like, you I, know what? I appreciate effort. I appreciate the effort. I don't think there's an episode that I would say didn't work, but Susan Jansen's episode <laughs> was messy in the best ways possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for the drama. I don't know. <laughs> we love you, Susan. <laughs> no, I just love it. I just like what she was just like talking about how her and April Kelly's like little little beef and and like the the idea that like there's clearly like a team Michael and a team April every single time. You could get, like honestly we should be keeping score of just being like who's team Michael, who's team April because you can tell like, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And it's it's so interesting, too, because I feel like each team has their own vibe. And you can almost tell when the guests come on if they would be a Team April or a Team Michael just based off of their normal conversations with the cast. So I just, I don't know. I thought it was that was a, a fun episode to listen to. Absolutely. And I, I will say, like, there, I think that was the one where... And like, I, this is like no uh, crack on anybody, but I think I remember the most of they be like, how did this happen? I don't remember. <laughs> you know well, what? Then, How'd you do this? I don't remember. <laughs> and that, that's happened a few times. It's been like years. I'm not judging. <laughs> yeah, it's happened a few times, but like, I get it. I'm like outside, like who in 1999 when the show ended thought like, hey, in about 25 years, there's going to be like a sit down interview where I'm going to be forced to remember the last four years of my life. It's like if someone came to you now, and was like, hey, remember high school. It's just a very hard thing to do. But uh, I don't know. If you're going to be on the podcast, maybe like look through some photos first. <laughs> maybe, uh, <laughs> you know, go through some walk down memory lane and try to get some stories together. Um, but yeah, that, that hasn't been too big of an issue, I don't think. Yeah, no, not, not too much. Okay, so then another thing I wanted to ask oh, okay. you, uh, the, the thing is, what have you learned so far that you thought was I'm sorry, I'm sorry. really I, interesting? Because I, I think another thing to it's me- It's doing the delay. I'm sorry. Like, you're still talking right now. <laughs> okay, all right. Try it again. Try it again. You're good. Okay. I got it. Look, all right. Another question I have for you is okay. what have you learned so far? Like what is, because another thing to me that I think is interesting about pod and these extra credit episodes is you get so much like trivia. Like it's really yeah. funny because people said like they don't like them, but it's like, you can understand like the origins or like they'll even note that this shirt was worn by this character on this episode. Yeah. And for all these people who are trivia buffs and, you know, like this is where your trivia comes from. This is how you learn those behind the scene facts. Like, like to last season, there was a hidden lobster. You know what I mean? Like, sure, I, I sure. love these things. So I'm just kind of wondering what, what did you learn from pod season three so far? Oh, uh, you know, the main thing that I've kind of, 
tracked, and I don't know if this really answers your questions at all, mm -hmm. <laughs> is that it. the thing I'm tracking is really their perceived confidence as actors when watching themselves and how that's changing uh. as they go through the series. Like, I feel like Ryder is getting a little bit more comfortable with his performance, whereas he was very self-deprecating in the beginning. I feel like now that Will's humor is starting to shine a little bit more, you see him kind of talking about Eric a little bit more confidently. Um, you know, Danielle's actually featured on more episodes now than, you know, so, so we're just able is to she? get- <laughs> That's the running joke. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I think it's just not only the way that that they go back and you know kind of are critiquing themselves and and kind of the joy that they're able to get from their performances but the able the way they're able to support each other and each yeah. other's performances too it the thing i'm taking away so far is that um whether it be through the strike or just through the podcast or whatever's going on um their bond is strengthening in such an obvious way these yes. three and i mentioned yes. this to you when we were at the live show that like there is there is something that they've been able to do with the three of them where their chemistry is so undeniable and i was just like wow they're getting so close and i i, I had a little side convo with you where i was just like man ben's missing out like whatever he is he's missing <laughs> out because these three have like such a loving and great energy when they're together and especially when the rest of the cast was on stage with them i was just like wow they all kind of share this beautiful family that's emerging because of this podcast journey so i mean that's that's really what i'm walking away from is the true family that's being formed based off of reliving these episodes together yeah that, that's great um and again we've talked about this i personally my my, my personal opinion is that uh ben doesn't feel like he's missing out you know, sure, like, and, sure, and I feel sure. like that's a little controversial. And I, people are always asking, they're like, oh, where's Ben? Ben should be here, blah, 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 blah. Having met him, which by the way, I don't know if we've actually talked about that, <laughs> but, yes. you know, like having actually met him, I just want to say that, like, I feel that I'm looking at it more empathetically yeah. from a child actor's point of view. And everyone is just like, he had the weight of the show on him sure. at a very young age. And as someone who's already dealing with, like personally, I'm dealing with what it meant to have adult responsibilities as a young child Definitely. placed on me. I can understand him being like, uh, you know, not for me. Cause it's just like, no matter what, his position and their position is completely different. And, and, and that's, uh, cause you're right. Talking to him, he seemed like he is so cool with where he is in life right now. Correct. He doesn't seem like he has any even bitterness or anything. It's just, he is just mentally somewhere else. And that's fine. I think what I just meant was that like, in his absence, these three have done something that's making them get so close together. And it, it's it, it's just that thing of just like, hey, there was, there was four of us in high school and there's three of us now and us three are getting really close. Perception wise, there's a sadness to it, but it's you know, boys to men is better as a trio than a, 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 a you know, a quartet. So, a oh, quartet. Yeah. yeah, so it just sometimes it happens to be that way. And, um, but the thing I'm really and like, one of my, my favorite episodes, really, of the special episodes that they've been doing have been like the draft episodes and been like the road trip episodes and like the, them just kind of being fun with each other. And then, you know, uh, the road trip episodes probably one of my favorites of the season so far. Yeah, my favorite part being when they're talking about the things that they love about each other. Yeah, and of like, course. That like that comes to mind immediately. 
And and it's just so palpable the sheer respect and admiration that they have for each other, not only as performers and like, you know, actors, but also just as like friends and people. They have a friendship that just is so deep and runs like their family at this point. And it's just so obvious to me when I'm listening to them talk about each other. So that's that's probably my favorite thing I've gotten from the from the series so far. Absolutely. Um, not on that scale, because I feel like you covered a lot of like what I'm liking. Yeah, yeah. What like what I what I will say keeps the show going. Um, but also like the little things that kind of explain what you and I have often talked about being like, why did this happen? What was going oh, sure. on? Yes. Like I, I really appreciate that. Like the idea, let me see if I can find on my notes. Um, in 304, there is a whole discussion about um how a swing set can influence a script. And yes. I like the fact that they had one set meant that they got rid of another set, which meant that they had to like write scenes or like, and I remember you and I being like, what is going on here? Why are we here? What is happening? And it's explained. It's like, oh, we had a set that day. Yeah. And they had to write around and figure some things out and like just make it work. And I was like, okay. I still think it was a bad choice, but it explains, like, and I didn't think, like, I think as a viewer, you often watch shows and you're like, oh, they had this thought out, you know, from the script alone, this is what was going to happen, this is where we're going to go, and, like, everything's just kind of, like, based off of a script and it never really changes, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. the core of it doesn't change, but to hear that no something like losing a set will influence the script and maybe it won't make as much sense. Like, I just thought that was very interesting. Fascinating shit. Um, and in, in, in line with, with that mindset, I will say 306, the episode that they reviewed, where they're talking about the struggles of working with a pig, I found yes. to be fascinating yes. the fact that writer was like i could not focus on anything because the pig took up so much of my focus and attention and it affected my performance i can see it when i go back and look at it i never considered what like it must have been like for them to work with a pig who was constantly screeching at the top of its lungs and like how that would throw them off it would throw off the comedy beats it would throw off the, just things like that so um that's probably one of the 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 big takeaways i took from from that was just like working with animals sucks absolutely well like oh um writer and will each talked mm -hmm. about how depending on who the director was or who the showrunner yeah. was how it affected their performance yeah and it's I all about was like, vibes it's all about vibes. To, and you hear that because you like again they, they come up and they speak so highly of all these people but to hear that it's like no just the mere presence of this one person is going to make will act completely differently yeah. to where the point like 30 years later he's looking being like oh i was terrified that day you know? <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. And it also kind of lets you, kind of cues you into why actors choose to work with some, like the same directors over and over, over again. And over is because again. if you get that comfortable with the person that they're able to bring out your best performance, it's like, why wouldn't you choose to do that as often as possible? Um, and obviously on television, you don't always have that opportunity or that choice, but um, it's still interesting to hear about. Absolutely. Also, like some, some more like things that I thought was funny. Finding out how into magic Ryder was. <laughs> he had a magic show with his brother Shiloh. <laughs> I'm like this, like the the strong brothers. It's just like, uh, like it again. It feels of a different era. It, you know, it does. feels vaudevillian. Yeah, and especially for Ryder, like Ryder seems like the kind of person who would appreciate a vaudeville type of performance. hundred um, percent. 
but yeah, I just thought it was funny. the Strong Brothers Magic Show. I wrote that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, it's like the... writer, prove it to us. Show us some magic. Like, what are we doing at these live shows if you're not doing some magic tricks? I need all of you to ask writer to do magic tricks. Yes. <laughs> if you guys go to a live show after this, ask writer to do magic. Don't tell him we told you. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. And then uh, another note that I have here is finding out them being like, man, we love Aspen. What is with our, like, a dude out there? And they're like, you know, Michael had just gotten the cabin in Aspen. And you're like, oh, okay. So yeah. two things happen with that. One, I don't like the implications of what that means, considering how many of the stories about Aspen involves infidelity. <laughs> we are not speculating <laughs> anything, guys. Uh, and then the second, just being like, oh, that explains, like, there, I don't, I don't know, and I want to talk to them about this, but, like, there is a whole bunch of scenes set in 90s television shows in, like, ski yep. resorts, and I'm like, what, like, why is that? Is it a holdover from the 80s? Like, what is going on where it's like, we need to do a ski episode? Right, because I'm trying to even think, like, there were a few ski movies that came out in, like, the early 90s, but I didn't think they were big hits or anything. I don't know what that was about. Maybe Exactly, I, that's what I'm I, saying. Hmm, I don't know. To me, so. it just seems like another, like, uh, you know, uh, yip, yuppie culture, like, yeah. hey, we got all this money, we got cocaine, let's go to the mountains. <laughs> Snow, snow on each inch. Snow on snow, bro. <laughs> snow on snow. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, oh, so uh, those are just some of the other things. Oh, and then also, again, it's kind of been said before, this idea of Danielle's dating history. Like, I just, like, again, in my mind, girl just was flipping through Teen Beat being like, I'll take one of him. <laughs> I'll take one of him. <laughs> and you know what? She got one of him. And yes. she got one of him. Every every girl that's listening to the podcast dreams of the body count that Danielle has. Yeah, because they were- Dating-wise, of course. Yeah, they were talking about- <laughs> <laughs> They were talking about the idea of, like, oh, did you have, like- uh, crush, no, it was like, did you have like a, a rivalry? Was there anyone who oh, yeah. was like your rival? And Danielle was like, no, I mean, like, who can compete? Who can <laughs> compete? <laughs> Meanwhile, writers like Elijah Wood, <laughs> exactly, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, goodness. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so far, I feel like this this season's been really fun. I feel like they've been able to come up with a lot of creative ideas to get around the hurdles of the actor strike. I feel like they're being able to incorporate the tour into the mm -hmm. pod and their perspectives from the tour, which I think is really great. I don't feel like as a Boy Meets World fan that there's anything that's missing from this season. In fact, I'm very excited for them to get to the second half of the season because for me, Second half of season three, up until midway of season five, is the heart and soul of this show. So I'm I'm excited for them to really get into it. Absolutely, I uh, I'm really eager to talk to them about certain episodes and like their perspective of it because I do think there was a lot where I was like, oh, I completely agree, and like this is how yeah. I felt, and then there are others where I'm like, oh, we gonna have to talk. We're going to have to have a talk. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I know for the average listener, you probably don't understand. Me and Siege, even now, are dancing around the parameters of the SAG strike, trying not to mention certain episodes and certain right. things, because right. there's it's just, we're trying to be respectful. But the hope is that by the time season three wraps, the strike will be over and we'll be able to get into the nitty gritty of things. Absolutely. I also Present. think it's interesting to see how many, how many siblings 
would be involved like how many oh siblings totally i think that's super interesting whenever the cast talks about their siblings being mm-hmm. on set and like the relationship siblings would have because i never think about shiloh i never think about the idea that like i'm sure fred probably came around set a few times like there was just these things where i think about them being only children even though i know they're not just because they were on the show well, I think like for me, I was talking more so because I agree with you, but I was talking more so like Melissa Joan Hart talking about her siblings and how like they're all in the industry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or they all like had a chance in the industry. Um, and like this idea of like, I, I think I can't remember who said it exactly, but it was like this idea of my mom's already driving <laughs> sure. to auditions. So it's just like, yeah, throw, throw another kid up in there. You know, like like this hey, idea. Well, it, it, the small life parents. Yes. <laughs> they the had a sitcom. Yeah, it's it's like if we're gonna do it, we might as well bring all the kids along. So it makes sense. Makes sense. Absolutely. Question: They constantly are asking this. If you had a child, would you let them be a child star? No. Ooh, interesting. Explain why. Um. First of all, I think celebrity is not really a thing anymore. Mm. I think that it's. It's more bad than good for the most part, at least from what I can see of child actors. Mm-hmm. But I also think this is my my disagreements are not exclusive to actors. I think mm. that social media can have a very similar effect on children in the way of uh, expecting outside validation or, or yearning mm-hmm. for outside validation. And that's really the thing that I would be cautious about is making sure that the, the kid didn't feel like it had to earn the approval of whoever was doing the casting or whatever. Um, and it just might be easier to do that if the kid had some life experiences, if the kid knew that there was more to life than an audition. I don't know. Yeah, that's very interesting. I don't know. I think I'm torn about it because the the one reason is there are certain kids where you're like, you have a knack for this. Like, you're good. Yeah. And I feel like maybe I would encourage my child to go the writer route, i.e. stage. Sure. You yeah. know, it's like, let's do stage. Let's do broad. Let's do something where it's like, if you're doing it, you are doing it for the sake of the art and yeah. not for the sake of the cameras. You know what? That's a great point. I think each case is, you know, you just got to think of it on the case by case basis, but to do something in local theater, and I know writer is such a huge advocate for local theater. Like you said, it just shows that you are in it for the art form. And I think that if you truly love an art form, you can't hold an artist back. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, like if, if they're really into it, if they just have a knack for it. And I myself, I'm just like, yo, you know, like there's certain times you meet a kid and you're like, you should be doing, like you have sure. a talent in this thing. You know what I mean? And I think like, especially lately, um, we are seeing just children actually be um, noticed for their innate talent. And it may not have been yeah. something like acting. Maybe it's something like drawing. Maybe it's something like um just being comfortable in front of a, a crowd of people, you know, like there's yeah. just certain things where kids are um, better at uh, skills that we don't always prize or don't always have a co- uh, clear career path. Sure. So I feel like, again, you want to make sure that you give the kid an opportunity to nurture whatever innate talent. I don't know. You're asking all these questions about kids and shit in this economy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing. 
It's like, yeah, they be talking about driving kids to with gas. Gas is six fifty in LA right now. No one's driving anywhere. You do you send it in a, a video audition, Brad. That's it. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, anything else? You have anything? Uh, no. I, you know what? I feel like we talk I, again. I have some things that I want to talk about that I'm going to wait to talk yep, about with good. with the cast at the end of season three. But you know, uh, as of right now, I just. I'm having a lot of fun. I think that they're having a lot of fun with this season, and I think they're having a ton of t- fun with the tour. And having listened to the first half of season three and a half after having just seen them live, I just feel like their enjoyment for the process of this has increased so much. You know, after talking to them in season one, there was a lot of like, oh, like apprehend a lot of feelings coming up. Like they were still getting comfortable with everything. And now it just feels like they're so comfortable with this whole process. They're falling in love with this process. And it's just, I don't know. I, I get that joy when I listen to them. Yeah, it's so funny to me because I, I agree with you. I think specifically I'm noticing that with everyone, of course, you know, like, oh, reunions, uh, do a movie together, blah, 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 so on and so forth. I think that the live shows have got all the elements that they loved about recording in front of a live audience. 100%. Any of the stress of like being at a studio. Sure. You know or I mean? any of the politics or bullshit that goes with being yeah. an actor. It just feels like that they have free reign to create the the kind of live show that gives them that energy that they got doing it live in front of an audience. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Without just having to think about, you know, the notes that Michael will give them the next day. You know what I mean? Exactly. Worry about any of that shit. Absolutely. It was funny. Um when we went to the live show, we we went around and we were asking people, hey, what are you most excited to see? What are you most excited? And people were like, I'm excited to see them. Yeah, I'm excited it. to see their dynamic. I'm excited to see their banter. I'm excited to see, like, you and I talk about this all the time. Will's just, like, ability to improv in the moment is fun to watch. Lightning like, fast wit. It's, in, like, I, I really wish he had gotten some guest spots on, like, Who's Line. Like, I would love to see him <laughs> in that kind of format where he can just fully improvise and, and create a scene that way. But he just seems to have that natural ability, which I just think is fascinating. Absolutely. And that's another thing, like the different skill sets that they are all yeah. showing. Like who would have thought like Danielle was like the hostess with the most is, you know? It feels like they all have um a like a roles that they're fitting into. Danielle's is the one who like keeps the like, hey guys, we have a lot to hit. Like, let's make sure we hit everything. And she's yeah. like perfectly like uh like the conductor, keeping it going on time. Then you have Ryder coming in with these just really interesting perspectives of things and just being like, Hey, did you guys ever think about this? Did you guys I ever think, think about that? He's the craft part of it as well. Yeah. Like definitely. he's the part that's going to appreciate the process and like sometimes it's a little serious but like I feel like sometimes everything can't be a joke and I feel like he sometimes is just like no let's actually think about this and and dissect of what we were trying to say so yeah totally and I think Will not only is he superb when it comes to being like the the voice of humor amongst the three but it's in terms of his encyclopedia knowledge of television of like remembering what happened on the day to day like he I think is like the historian of the group in a lot of ways so just the the dynamic that the three of them bring together I think really works for this podcast I'm gonna say it now uh I'm gonna say it now I have no problem saying it now because I may forget to say it later but I will tell you I don't agree with Will that he wasn't wanted when he was younger. Like Will has this narrative that like, oh, oh yeah. nobody like was into me. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think you were paying attention to the people who were. 
It's just like, it doesn't make sense. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Definitely. Because I mean, there was no Reddit forms. There was no social media. There was no way for him to know what the average, you know, person living in Ohio thought about his performance, even though that person probably watched every Friday night specifically for him. You exactly. know, it's... I'm just saying if they were unaware of how big the show and how much the show meant to everyone, I don't trust your judgment on whether or not girls found you attractive. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I dated Carrie Russell. I dated Jennifer Love Hewitt. Thank you. Thank you. Out of here, Will. (laughs) (laughs) You can't tell me you dated Jennifer Love Hewitt. No, I'm I'm joking. Everyone has their own stuff, but I just think that was funny. No, again, that that was that that's my opinion, and I'm saying here because I don't know if I'll actually say it to his face, but (laughs) I was like, man, don't be in my face telling me. As you said, with, with Carrie Russell and Jennifer Love Hewitt and Lisa Joan Hart, like <laughs> it's too many. All of them, okay. just all um, of them. absolutely. Okay, well, you guys, I feel like that was a, a, a nice little check in, a nice little do the season halfway through the series and yeah. honestly we look forward to speaking to them again about season three again hopefully on the other side of this writer strikes you guys let us know what has been your favorite part of the pod so far we yeah. love interacting with you we appreciate it let us know if you like this and if we should be doing more of these um but ultimately you can always reach out to us at from Meets world um check out we have new content coming to you guys so yep trust me if you liked this, I think you're gonna really enjoy what we got up ahead. Yeah, like like we said last uh, last episode, we we're coming up with a workaround to get through this strike. <laughs> it's right. taken some time, but we're finding some things that we can do, some fun things in episodes that we have planned. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if any Boy Meets World related news happens, we'll be sure to give you guys our two cents about that as well. Absolutely. All right, you guys. So uh, I guess this is the part where we tell them to dream. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Can we rewind for five seconds? Because I need to let I need to let everyone know we have merch. We have merch. We have shirts. We have mugs. We have have hoodies. It's hoodie season, y'all. Can you imagine how nice it would be? (laughs) Snuggle up with a nice Brahmeets World hoodie? This could be you this fall. Absolutely. Guys, check out our social media. You'll see our websites. We have the links to everything, and you'll be able to get a brand new Turned On by Turner sweater, which my homeboy designed over here. Um, Not only do I have it, but you know what? I'm I'm saying it. Will was like, I need one of those. So I'm (laughs) saying we give them, and then this is how people work. We give it to them. They wear it. Everybody going to want one. Get yours before. (laughs) Beat the hype. Beat the rush. Because I tell you, the moment the rush comes, I'm raising them prices. (laughs) We're increasing with inflation, guys. (laughs) Okay, you guys. Thank you so much. Check out our merch. Check Mm -hmm. us out at Run Meets World on all the places. Reach out to us at runmeetsworld at gmail.com. And yeah, I I think that's pretty much it. Do we need to remind them of anything? Uh, I think it's time to dream. I think if they're going to dream, they should probably try. And since you're trying, you should try to do good. Do some <laughs> damn good, y'all. Okay. Later, us. Later. Okay. You know, honestly, technically, it's my fault for allowing you to close this out. <laughs> um, just so we go back to it. Rob Meets World was edited by uh, Tony Curtis and produced by Siege and is a two free tokens media production. Later, press. When the spawn meets world.